0: The Giant Thinkers. Giant
1: Thinkers Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. Hey Giants, welcome to episode number 37. I'm recording this from my hotel room in Manhattan, New York City, as I'm two thirds through my USA speaking tour. The podcast lives on, no excuses there. I still have around eight events to go across South Carolina Kansas, West Michigan, and Seattle, all part of launching my second book, of course, How to Get a Mentor as a Designer Guaranteed. If you're struggling to get a mentor, this book was written for you. You can grab it at gettingamentor.com. It's available in paperback. Ebook and audiobook versions. Another quick announcement: if you're a Snapchat or Instagram stories user, I'm doing my very best to document my day-to-day journey on those platforms. So if you'd like a sneak peek into my travels, you can add me on my handle, the giant thinker. Now, to introduce today's guest, she is the executive director of AIGA, the American Professional Association for Design. She is known for her passion and ability to bring big ideas to big audiences through her hybrid capabilities as an experienced designer, educator, and practicing innovator. But as you'll hear in this interview, she encompasses all those things and more. Some of the topics we spoke about include advice to those struggling to find meaning and fulfillment in their design career, how to deal with fear, ways to improve diversity and inclusion, and the number one question that has helped her innovate. Now, real quick, before we dive into it, you may remember episode number 31 we had on my good friend, Nathan Chan, creator of Founder Magazine. Well, him and his team have just launched a Kickstarter campaign to take their mission to help entrepreneurs even further. They've packaged and polished the top lessons, tips, and advice from the world's greatest entrepreneurs and compiled it into one beautifully designed coffee table book. I won't say much. The video they created is a joy to watch and explains it all. Head to giantthinkers.com slash founder. No E in founder. So it's F-O-U-N-D-R. Check it out while you can. The campaign is running until the 15th of December. It's a beautifully crafted book that I'm sure you will all appreciate. Alrighty, it's time to unleash this long awaited episode. I present to you the multifaceted, warm hearted, Julie Annixter. Julie Annixter, welcome to the Giant Thinkers Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you?
0: I'm great, Ram. Thank you.
1: Thank you for being here. It's, uh, look, to paint a picture for the listeners, we are in the beautiful AIGA office headquarters in New York City, an incredible space to interview an incredible guest. So, first off, Julie, a little icebreaker for you. Uh, on your LinkedIn profile, the cover image you have is of the beautiful Harbour Bridge in Sydney, Australia. As many of the listeners know, I'm from Sydney and that's where I call home and I'd love to know your connection to it.
0: Well, I was in Sydney about a year ago, uh, right before I took this job and I climbed the Sydney Harbour Bridge with some friends of mine. I strapped myself into the jumpsuit, hooked myself to the bridge and spent three hours climbing up and down that bridge. You've done more than me. (laughs) I haven't done that yet it uh, it's it's quite a challenge.
1: Great. And and so uh you you have had that as a highlight. What other kind of things about Sydney did did you enjoy?
0: Well, first of all, I love Australia and Sydney is just an incredibly beautiful and friendly city. And last September when I was there, there was so much innovation going on. I went to a couple of the banks, I went to the stock exchange, I met with a lot of people who are really helping the helping pivot the Australian economy and it was very exciting.
1: Amazing. We're going to have to certainly uh, chat more about that off air. <laughs> um, so for the listeners, Julie, where would you say your expertise lies?
0: Well, I'm a hybrid mm. and I like to think of myself as somebody who likes bringing big ideas to big audiences in a way that is fresh and compelling and actionable. And so I've got a little bit of a designer, educator, innovator, and communicator in me.
1: Love that. And in terms of your childhood, how did you grow up? Was there a certain thing uh, or, or place or, or group of people that influenced that?
0: Well, I think I'm a testament to growing up in a creative household makes you want to be around creative people for the rest of your life. My mother was an artist and a dancer, and my father was an entrepreneur. And let's just say our house rocked, just Amazing. rocked. The dance company was there. On frequent occasions, my mother painted in the basement. Um, you know, There was a lot of creative energy flowing through my house.
1: What city was that?
0: Just outside of Chicago.
1: Oh, very cool. All right. I've not been to Chicago yet, but uh, hopefully oh, I get to a swing by it's, there.
0: You know, they call it uh, the second city, but it really, I think, is the first city of great architecture. It's gorgeous.
1: Amazing. And when you stepped into this role now, AIGA's executive director, uh, you know the baton passed down from your predecessor Rick Grafay, uh, we've had on the podcast as well here, um, and he had been in your shoes for 20 years. What were some thoughts in your mind uh, that you were going through, and some feelings uh, when that all started? Because it's been almost a year now.
0: Well, uh, first of all, I feel very blessed and honored to be in this role. It's an incredible privilege to serve the design community and i think the two um probably predominant emotions i had were um excitement and um and fear you know being overwhelmed because it was such a giant it is such a giant opportunity but um my passion for designers and design has kind of uh, been grounding
1: mm, and i'm almost feeling like as the the listeners are hearing your answer with that I mean, I'm halfway through my tour as I'm recording this, and a lot of the uh, Q and A, the questions that I get during Q and A, have been around overcoming that fear. Um, any advice for taking that next leap, or even from a mindset shift point of view?
0: Well, I think that's why I brought it up because I think fear is real. It's you know, it's a phenomenon. It's a biological, psychological, emotional phenomenon, and it's all it's always accompanied. Um, risk-taking. You can't take a risk and not be afraid. By definition, you're dead if if you're not afraid. Um, I believe in, you know, it's sort of a, it's almost um, a cliche, but it's actually, I think, true, is um, feel your fear and take it with you. Um, one of my mentors, yeah, I know you're into mentoring. One of my mentors, Stuart Heller, um, who's done a lot of uh, a lot of karate and martial arts, he said, black belt, double black belt, says, a warrior is not afraid to be afraid. Mm. And I think, honestly, fear is an incredibly um, empowering emotion.
1: In your role as a leader, mm. uh, you've had a few roles in, that, um, in, in, in various leadership positions. And what would you say you're trying to achieve as a leader?
0: It's really simple. Um, The design discipline is um, going through tremendous change, and it probably will continue to for the rest of our lifetimes. I simply want um, to help designers succeed. I want to help designers navigate the world as it is and as it's becoming, and I don't want to do that by myself. There's no way I could. I want to work with the incredible leadership team that's part of um, the, the generations of designers and design leaders that AIGA represents really want to help other designers. And so my job, our job here is to make that easy.
1: Fantastic. Any advice to people who are struggling to find meaning and fulfillment in their design career path?
0: Yeah. Do something else. Do yeah. something that turns you on. I mean, you know, the thing about designers is that we love, and I'll say we here because I've done a fair amount of um, Experience design, you know, we love doing creative work. So if your work as a designer is not turning you on, do something outside of work, find different work, find a passion project. And honestly, it's the reason a lot of people come to AIGA chapters is to create with other people things that they can't do in their day job. I mean, just by the nature of work itself, right? You're working for clients. You have to serve their, their needs and their, their goals. But there's sometimes when you want to serve your own creative um, interests and your own creative uh, ambitions, and it's important to do both.
1: Yeah, and, and I often find uh, that uh, a lot of the times there's this unsaid territory of it's okay, you can do work outside of your college work or the work that's assignments that have been given to you. In fact, you should do work, create your own briefs, improve things that are out there that you think can be improved on your own terms. Um because I think uh, I'm finding more and more that a lot of uh, emerging designers, especially are you know are having trouble finding fulfillment in in their work and and so I advise them of of as you've as you've also implied, traveling getting out there,
0: yeah
1: you know explore. even psychically <laughs> totally
0: <laughs> could be physical, it could be psychic exactly. you know i I think you really hit on something that uh, is incredibly profound and it is that designers can create their own briefs. Designers um, can be agents of change. Designers are filled with a sense of curiosity and possibility that actually makes them very well suited to changing the world as it is. And most of us have to make a living, which means we have to serve other people. It's like Bob Dylan said, you have to serve someone. And in serving a client, if you can really serve a client and do it well, that's also profoundly, profoundly satisfying and creative. So it's sort of a both and. To me, it's, it's not one is better than the other. I think you need both to have a really fulfilling career.
1: Yeah, it, it, it just struck a chord to me. It reminded me of uh, episode number one of this podcast, Chris McLean, who was the, uh, at the time, executive creative director of Interbrand in Australia. And he said, what does the world need that you can give it? Mm-hmm. And that's a question that can be asked uh, to empower us, but also our clients and anything that we endeavor and embark on
0: and And it's really a mindset issue, Ram. It's really you know, as a designer, do I think that I can stand on my own two feet and make a call, place a bet, uh, innovate? And I think the answer should be yes <laughs>
1: mm, absolutely. Now, when we talk about career advice, what have you been given you know in in all the mentors and the people that have helped you along the way what What has been the most useful career advice you've received?
0: Well, you know, I'm, again, I have to say I'm blessed. I've worked with so many great people. I've had amazing mentors. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, there are one of my favorites, uh, favorite questions, which one of my mentors shared with me a decade or so ago is my favorite question. It's what's missing?
1: Mm. What's
0: missing? Because it doesn't imply that something is bad or wrong, but there might be something missing that you could add to the mix. Um, you know tom peters uh, at, at the time I worked with him, was you know really traveling all over the world talking about innovation and and um, business and and making business technicolor used to say, "Don't do anything that anybody else is doing mm-hmm. you know be original
1: so in that space, there's that theme of adaptability you have actually uh, had uh, many different uh industries under your belt, from education to the military to nonprofit and healthcare, you know, being exposed to those industries, um, how do you think uh, designers can be more agile and flexible and adapt um, when, the, you know, some of them are in, in the mindset of, you uh, you know, I, I'm not guaranteed a job or I, I don't have the skill set or um, the world's moving so fast with this innovation that where, where does my role fit? Like, what do you advise them in terms of adapting?
0: Well, I'd say, first of all, you know, honor the fact that it's hard because hmm. it is hard at times to adapt and change. And the world is um, throwing us a lot of curveballs, you know, Uh, changing so rapidly. It's almost, again, another cliche. But I think I've always used two things to kind of help me move from sector to sector, from job to job, from opportunity to opportunity. And one is just profound curiosity about what's over there, the other, the client, what's on the other side of the table, the problem, the opportunity, and, and worrying less about myself and just being more interested in what was over there. But maybe coupled with a sense that I could figure it out, hmm. and I think most designers can figure it out. I think most designers are endlessly, endlessly um, imaginative.
1: You hit the nail on the head. I absolutely agree. And uh, when we look about, when we look at companies and and organizations, uh, for those that have the culture of this is how it's always been done, <laughs> um, and refuse <laughs> to adapt and evolve. What are some practical tips you can share perhaps from your own experience for them?
0: Something, something that I've done throughout my career is go outside of the company I was in, find a great example, mm. and bring that in back into the company to say, hey, this is what Ford is doing. This is what the Navy is doing. This is what Chanel is doing. This is what mm. Target is doing. And use just use the um, example of another powerful institution or brand to give credence to an idea that, So it didn't have to be my idea, and I wasn't having to fight for my idea. It was showing what somebody else did and sort of showing some evidence.
1: Proof of concept right there. Proof of concept, (laughs) absolutely. When we look at diversity and inclusion, and it's a topic that we're both very passionate about, what daily changes would you suggest uh, we can all make in our professional environments or even in our interactions when we move towards that?
0: I think the most important thing is to be surrounded by diverse people. You know, there's, it's, it's one thing to espouse and, um, and, uh, and try to move towards diversity. It's another thing to actually have a diverse team or a diverse jury or a diverse uh, lineup of speakers or a diverse faculty. Diversity itself is important. And the, the fastest way, diversity of human beings mm-hmm. and perspectives that diverse human beings bring is incredibly important. And you can only get there by having it in the room. It's
1: funny you say that. I, I had a conversation with a, a girl who wanted an internship at this company I was working for uh, and she was Brazilian. She'd been living in Australia for a couple of years and she was uh, explaining to me that she felt insecure about her accent and I said, that's, that's not something that is a weakness. That's a, that's a huge benefit because companies are wanting to hire different people from different places and if we all hired the same same then we'd get the same solution um so it's interesting how uh the the embracing of oneself and upbringing and and culture is um somewhat seen as from from the individual themselves as as a weakness and i think um the more that sh- you know if this person was to um, to fight for that, to, to believe that, um, you know, it's that whole thing about it feels like a dirty salesman is selling you something that is shady because they're not really believing in what they're selling themselves, you know, and if we sell ourselves better deeply and authentically, I think that real, real inclusion can happen because, they also need to come out of their shell and and also have a voice, and it, it's that whole thing about until you come out of your shell and try it, then you don't really know.
0: Oh, you've said so much. You know, um, I guess what I just would echo back to you is that um, you know self acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, accepting ourselves for who we are and where we came from is kind of a you know it's the foundation. For being able to go out into the world with strength and also with vulnerability. And it's, you know, it's important and it takes time. Um, I just finished reading Bruce Springsteen's memoir. I highly recommend it. He spent many years trying to accept himself and doing it through basically making art and writing about the, you know, the world he grew up in. And to this day, I think, you know, he's in his 60s. He still feels vulnerable in some ways. That never goes away, but um honoring, you know, this is part of the fear getting back to the fear thing, honoring your feelings but not letting them stop you. Really important. And for this young Brazilian woman, I would agree with you, her accent, her Brazilianness is an asset.
1: When it comes to uh the digital age we live in right now, is there anything that frightens you about it? Um when it comes to <laughs> trust.
0: Well, you know, I mean Yes, um, I think that what we've seen in the last couple of years with you know so much disinformation and um, cyber you know um, cybersecurity issues, you know, you have to be really careful about cybersecurity and making sure that the, the identity that is speaking to you or that you're representing is um, verifiable. But on the other hand, um, you know, it's, it's the soup we are living in. It's the air we're breathing. We have to be, if we want to participate, we have to be in this digital world. So I guess like anything, it just takes some discretion and figuring out who and what to trust. I mean, I get a lot of people trying to you know link in with me on LinkedIn who have no profiles. I'm like, no, <laughs> you
1: know, no. Totally. And are you a, an Uber user yourself? Are yeah, you an use Airbnb a, user?
0: I I d I haven't been, I really admire Airbnb. I'm not so much an Airbnb person. Um but yeah, Uber. Yeah, I use Uber. Cool. You know, use just try I like to try everything. It's just
1: fascinating though, isn't yeah, it? Like yeah, Get in a car with a stranger, you walk into someone's house you you don't really know. <laughs> so what's well a lot kind of it of things, has to do right?
0: with trust and the what what brands the kind of the level of trust that brands can espouse. I mean, I just had A very famous bank, you know, try and pitch me on doing some, you know, financial services, um, financial management for me. Mm -hmm. And based on the recent events that that uh, very big bank, you know, was um, taken down in the press for, I said, "Mm, no, thank you. Well, I'm not that part of the bank. I said, it doesn't matter to me. I don't, you know, I don't want to participate. So trust and brands are very important.
1: Very cool. What's your biggest challenge right now? Mm -hmm big go small. <laughs>
0: um, well, it's uh, again, if 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 our goal, which it is our goal, to help designers succeed, then we need to understand what success means for designers at every stage of their career, and it means different things, as you know better than most people, to young emerging designers than it does to um, baby boomers, and we have everything in, in between. So, figuring out how to tailor. Help that is meaningful, or if you don't like the word help, empowerment or resources, support that's meaningful, that's the challenge.
1: Yeah, well said. So a question I ask all my guests, Julie, if you could travel back in time for 30 seconds and speak to junior Julie (laughs) Annixter, perhaps the Julie finishing high school, what would you tell her?
0: Dream big. Just go big.
1: I'm I'm fist bumping Julie right now, guys. (laughs) Um,
0: I think most people, and and maybe women in particular, but I think many people uh, hold themselves back um, in terms of what they you know aspire to, um, and I think that's what I would have told her.
1: That's great, and and I say this uh, because that's what my mother told me mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Uh, it's good to, woman it's to dream big. Good woman, and and when I would tell her what I you know aspired to do, she would even say dream bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that really really uh, resonates with me. who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life? uh you know that person has inspired you to think bigger and dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential
0: Well, you know many people i again I have no hesitation to gravitate to really intense really interesting, really complex really creative people i have been drawn like a moth to a flame all my life. And going back to my family, um, I'd have to say at this moment in time, I think of all the people who have been that giant thinker. I have to say my father. Mm. My father um, was an amazing man. He just recently passed away. He was um, the single most, um, I don't even know the right word, the single most focused person on creating opportunities I have ever met. And he was a very successful entrepreneur. And when people used to say to him, how did you build your business? Because he built a global business, which is one of the reasons I've been in Australia. He always said the same thing the entire time I was growing up. And he started a business with $20,000 that he borrowed half of from my grandmother and built it into a global company. Um, He used to say by hiring people that were better than I was. And he meant it. And the other thing that my father and all the people that helped build his company um, did that I really admire is they evolved. And there's a lot of research that says, I shared this at the conference, that the way you uh, sustain business success or, or viability is you have to change at least your, your major line of business at least once. Now, AIGA has already done that in the 100 plus years it's been in, 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 uh, alive, been in business. Um, and we're going you know, to keep changing. So my father's um, ability to build something out of nothing is, you know, probably the thing that's had the greatest impact on me.
1: I think that's why we are, we...
0: I wasn't super articulate, but I think you got it. No, (laughs) I I was
1: going to say, I think that's why we get along so well. Um, You said something there that really hit me. Um, which is uh, hiring people that are better than you. Um, uh, for all the listeners who are potentially new to the Giant Thinkers podcast and the uh, the blog and everything around that, uh, the reason why I called it Giant Thinkers was because on my very first job after design college, I started in the mailroom at Ogilvy and Mather and I got a welcome pack and it was a red book by David Ogilvy. Mm-hmm. I opened that up and the first page I opened to was his quote, uh, along the lines of if you hire people that are smaller than you are, you will be a company of dwarfs. Mm-hmm. If you hire people that are bigger and better than you are, mm-hmm. you'll be a company of giants.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Your father is an incredible human being, mm-hmm. no doubt. So, Julie, what's next for you and everything you're involved in uh, for the rest of the year and next?
0: Well, we have, a, you know, we have an, an ambition here at AIGA RAM to really um, elevate the way we're serving designers. And so the challenge is to figure out what that means specifically for different designers because it's not a one-size-fits-all and to really reimagine our, ourselves as a platform that can serve designers 24-7 with things that they can't get anywhere else. Now, you, know, you can get a lot from a lot of places and they're great. A lot of great places out there that support and help designers and I salute all of them. We have something at AIGA AIG, that is really unique. We have designers. We have 26,000 members and a much bigger community of former members and former board members and, and friends and, and fans and people who surround us. We have um, the human element. And most of those designers are incredibly generous and they want to help other designers. So we're working on a platform that's going to make that easier.
1: Yeah, and I'm a, I am ai am... In the thick of my second tour, and I can tell all the listeners now, a huge advocate for AIGA. I have visited over thirty chapters out of seventy plus. Seventy plus, and yeah. uh, it's really like a family.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, it's a incredible. community. It's a family, and I take zero credit for it. I mean, um, you know, oh, it, it has been growing for decades and decades. I was very blessed to step into it. And we really value it, and that's the exact thing that we want to strengthen: is the community and its ability to stay connected.
1: So amazing! And uh, to wrap up, Julie, uh, how can listeners get in touch with you online?
0: It's so simple. My email address is Julie underscore Annixter, A N I X T E R at aiga.org, or I'm on Twitter uh, at julianneixter. Uh, you can find me, I'm, I'm on the at Design channel a lot. I'm pretty accessible and I'm, I like to talk to people. I really like to listen. Um, this has been lots of fun. Thank you so much for uh, coming over and, and making it happen. I'll, I'll look forward to, uh, to, to doing more with you.
1: Yeah, this was such a treat, Julie. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a gift to talk with you and I'm honored you were able to uh, hop on the show and, and uh, share your insights. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in, wonderful giants. I really appreciate your time listening to Julie share her bright mind and stories. A little teaser for you with our next guest. He is the Chief Creative Officer of Vayner Media, an advertising, marketing, and communications agency with over 800 employees and counting. We know a lot about Gary Vaynerchuk, but to hear from the CCO of Vayner is a rare gem. So rare, in fact, that this guest has never been interviewed on any podcast ever, so I'm honored to be the first and I know you're going to really enjoy that one. Before you race off, there's something really, really important that I need you to all know about. Google and AIGA are pleased to announce the first annual design census, an open and collaborative resource for understanding the complex economic social and cultural factors shaping the design practice today it's a free 15 minute survey and open to everyone the goal is to empower the design community to take charge of its professional development and happiness but the design census is only as good as its participants which is why i'm reaching out to you all of you giants to take action and to spread the word to your peers as well this data will help shape the future of our industry. Head to designcensus.org, that's designcensus.org, to make your voice matter. Thank you again for listening. Hit me up on social media if you have any questions at all or feedback. My handle is the giant thinker. That's a wrap, and I'll end with the words of Julie herself, who said that to adapt is to have profound curiosity. Paired with the confidence in believing that you can figure it out. Bye for now, and I'll catch you on the next episode.